Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 77 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. Today, we welcome Ben Walsh from the band Tiger's Jaw. They are one of my favorite bands from the current scene today. Ben and I discuss how the band started in Pennsylvania, traversing through the genres and the current independent scene. We also chat about some bands that Ben thinks we should check out. And of course, what's next for Tiger's Jaw? If you're out for supporting Washed Up Emo, you can head to washedupemo.com and click on the Patreon link. Or buy some emo-related merch at washedupemo.threadless.com, including men's, women's, kids, and even artwork. That was funny to say. Finally, if you want to leave a nice review on iTunes, that always helps the cause. Thanks for listening. This is episode 77 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Ben from Tiger's Jaw. Hello? Hello, is this Ben? Hey, Tom, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. It is so nice outside. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I'm uh, I'm actually on my family vacation right now. So oh, are I'm you? At the Jer- I'm at the Jersey Shore, so it's very nice. Oh, because I, I was thinking like, oh shit, he agreed to do this at one. It's probably like super nice out and he's just waiting to go outside. But you're already in the vacation world. Yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. I'll, you know... And I'm I'm way more productive when I'm in like a I don't know this is like my favorite place in the world so oh cool I, I love it yeah so I'm, ha- so I'm, I'm I'm definitely happy to talk here All right. more so than anywhere else all right perfect and what is it your family's place your your place have you always no, been going I, there we've always been going here but uh, we don't we don't own a place we just rent um, I feel like maybe years ago. We probably should have started just, you know, slowly buying the place. But, um, but anyway, we we just rent uh, over the course of two weeks. And my mom is, has a really big family, so we spent, uh, I think, for the past fifty some years since my grandparents uh, no started way. going here. Yeah, that is tradition. Oh, uh, it definitely is. It's uh, <laughs> Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Um, it's a great place. Very cool. And so you, uh, now, you grew up in Pennsylvania, correct? I did, in Scranton. And what's the big city near there? Is it Scranton? 
Yeah, that, that's it. Screened in. So for you guys, I mean, for you growing up, was you know, for punk rock or things, or was it, did you start hearing about shows and started to, you know, figure out things? Was it someone giving you like a no effects CD? Like, right. Um, well, Scranton in the, uh, in the early to mid two thousands had a budding ska punk scene. Um, and sort of like a, like a bar rock, like alternative scene. Uh, and then down in Wilkes-Barre, there was more of like a hardcore punk scene. Um, so I was like vaguely aware of, you know, those three. Um, and I'm trying to think my, my cousins, um, uh, some of my cousins had like, I don't know when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of like, we didn't have a computer until very late. And, um, you know, but my, my parents were a little bit stricter about something. So like we would go over to my cool cousin's house and, um, you know, they had, they had like Napster on their computer. So I would like, you know, buy blank CDs and just go over there and copy, you know, anything I could, any, anything that, you know, the first like 10 seconds of the track sounded good. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. So, uh, I, I found some, like some of the more mainstream, like, like blink 182 and, and stuff um, through there. Um, and then I became aware of, uh, like sort of emerging from the art scene in Scranton. There was like this group of bands that, uh, were sort of like, like really, um, theatrical sort of indie bands. And, uh, my cousin actually played bass for one. Uh, they were called the swims and, uh, they were really awesome. They were like a power pop sort of, uh, band, like garage rock power pop sort of band. Um, and they played a lot with this band called okay. Patty, who was like kind of like perfect middle ground between pavement and Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, so these two, these two bands were on this, uh, Scranton indie label called prison jazz. Um, so I, I went to see them when I was like 14 or 15 and I was like, this is amazing. I love this and I want to do this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like I, I started playing drums first and, uh, I, uh, met some people like kind of when the, when the ska punk scene sort of was dying out, uh, the last couple of <laughs> well, I'm kidding. Some of us, some, some of us remember it more fondly. There, others, no, I, guess, this, but... I have I always had a long-standing <laughs> joke with many, many people about it. I'm actually a huge less than Jake fan. Uh, all yeah. it's just there's like this one part where um, it's uh, it just got so comical to me. Um, but yes, they sure. had a they 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 had a moment in time. <laughs> it's definitely a wacky genre. Yes, it's definitely like like a silly sort of genre, but. There, there were some really good, uh, some really good bands, um, and it led to a lot of the bands that I, you know, am friends with or, or even have played music with. Um, so, uh, out of that scene, there was a band called Bob and the Saggots who went on to become the Menzingers, and ah, there was a band. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, uh, and so uh, you know, they they tapered off a lot of their uh, ska influence and. Uh, you know, focused in on more of the punk side of things. Uh, and there was a band called Cosmos um, that, you know, sort of led into Tiger's Draw, my band, and uh, the band Captain Were Sinking. 
um, which is another prison jazz or sorry, another prison jazz, uh, run for cover records band. Um, so a lot of this, like the, the music scene was, you know, there's a lot of people playing in multiple bands, um, like Tiger's Jaw and Captain Were Sinking started around the same time. And like, there was a time where, uh, myself and Adam formerly of Tiger's Jaw were also playing in Captain Were Sinking. Um, so we, we, you know, st- sort of started this little, you know, punk scene essentially out of the ashes of the, the ska scene. I and, guess. and that was high school or. Yeah. So it would have been like, uh, yeah, 2005. Uh, we started Tiger's Jaw at the very, very end of 2005. So I would have been like 16. That's crazy. Um, yeah, we just realized that Tiger Shaw has been a band for over 10 years, uh, which that's is mind-blowing. Mind uh, yeah, it's been awesome. And then, I mean, that's, I mean, again, these scenes come out of scenes. And I think when you're outside of a big city, you're yeah. more apt to be creative or not care. Um, yeah, I don't know if one or the other. Yeah, I don't think a theatrical indie rock band would survive in a big city very well. But if you've got a bunch of weird kids from a bunch of, you know, suburbs and towns, that's going to seem really cool. And you're probably going to experiment more. That was probably really inspiring to see that. Oh, absolutely. It was great. Um, and so our like big aspirations for starting Tiger's Jaw was to release something on this, uh, on this label called prison jazz, which at the time seemed like, you know, if we could do that, we, you know, that would be the biggest thing ever. And, uh, you know, little did we know there is, you know, a couple guys, uh, you know, ordering CDs, uh, you know, selling them out of their, out of their apartment. Like it was, so it couldn't have been a smaller operation. Uh, but eventually they, they, they did put out, uh, our self-titled album on CD, um, kind of right, right before they stopped actually being a label. But, uh, but it was like this big, like accomplishment for us. We were so pumped about it and, um, it was like kind of like uh, I don't know. It's it sort of like that was like the, one of the first uh, like when the first people outside of Scranton actually started paying attention to our band. So it was it was kind of a cool thing. What were some of those first things? Was it trading shows? Was it hey, we heard you? This is really cool. Yeah. We're going to write about you. Um. So we we've branched out very, very slowly, but surely like we, there weren't many venues when we were first starting. There was, um, there was this art gallery in downtown Scranton called test pattern. And, uh, it was amazing. There were all sorts of different things that happened. Um, and they would do shows sometimes and, you know, gallery openings and uh, dance parties and all, all sorts of different things. And, um, you know, we were really young, but like we, we would go to shows there all the time and became friends with the people that ran it. And, uh, they, you know, eventually just let us start booking our own shows there. And, uh, you know, we would print up flyers and, um, you know, pass them around wherever, wherever we could and hang them up. And, uh, you know, there, were, there was a, you know, a couple of summers where we would do shows there and there'd be, you know, over a hundred kids there. And it was like the it was amazing, like how so many kids would show up, and um, and so that was sort of like we we would book our shows there, and then you know we would find out about friend, uh, you know bands on MySpace or whatever that were sort of from the area, and we would 
kind of do show trades with them. And, um, we, that was around the time we met the guys from title fight, which was, uh, they were from like the Kingston Wilkes-Barre area, which is close to Scranton, but you know, driving a half hour away to play a show was, you know, a big deal to us at the time. Um, and then there was also another, another small town called Tamaqua that was like an hour South of Scranton. And, um, we had met this band called the mother daughter team, um, who eventually, uh, started a band called, uh, kite party later on, Mm -hmm. um, two really awesome bands. Um, and they had like a, like a community center in, in Tamakwa that they were able to do shows at. So we started doing show trades with them. Um, and then, uh, eventually in the summer of 2008, uh, us and us and title fight, uh, did like a, a pretty small tour. Um, so that was kind of how we, well, actually the year before that, we did also a very, very small tour with some of the bands from that prison jazz label. But, um, I'm pretty sure there was only one show that happened that people actually showed up <laughs> where we weren't just playing to like the sound guy. Um, but I think, I think that having those experiences are, is the most important thing for a band, like starting out, like, to kind of like get kicked around for the first couple of tours and then like, you know, slowly build up momentum. That That's actually something that I love to hear because it seems, you know, a band will release a band camp and put yeah. up songs and just expect people to show up. And right. I, you kind of have to have again, that, that tour exactly where you show up and you're only playing for the sound guy for 10 shows of, of 11 and that 11 show yeah. 10 kids show up and it's like the coolest thing and it keeps you moving on but that there was a time i think even in that those years even the summer of 07 08 06 the punk rock scene knew what to do they wanted to yeah. play pop punk they wanted to sound like xyz band and that was how to do it and you guys were right. kind of going that way were you feeling that at the time where the whole bunch of kids we're not into, I mean, in essence, punk rock. I mean, I- independent punk rock. Um, I don't know. We, we were sort of like disconnected. We were sort of in our own world. Um, we, I mean, when, when our first, like our first CD came out and people were like actually writing reviews on it, they were, they were comparing us to bands that um, at the time I had never, ever heard of before. Like, like the anniversary and get up kids. Like I hadn't heard, I hadn't listened to those bands, um, you know, prior to the first record or two. Um, and so, uh, you know, we were really just, you know, like fumbling our way through being a band and, uh, you know, trying to do as much as we could. Like I remember on that, that first tour ever we played where we were supposed to play a show in Cincinnati. And, um, we booked it through my, MySpace, I'm assuming, and uh, we show up at the place, and no one's there. Um, I think it was like a, a shared art space, and maybe some people lived above it, so like somebody was getting back to the place, and we were like waiting outside, and they were like, you know, who were who are you, and why are you here? And uh, so we were like, well, we thought we were supposed to play here tonight, and they're like, no, there's there's no show here tonight. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, there was like a, a full tour full of stuff like that happening. Wow. But yeah. it was great. It was like, I mean, I have vivid 
great memories of, of that tour. Um, just, I don't know. It was my, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of traveling growing up. Like I would come here to Long Beach Island once a summer, you know, and that was kind of it. So it was just awesome to, to get out of, uh, Scranton or get out of Pennsylvania even for, for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, I had similar where I was sort of in a small market, didn't really have big shows, but then when you would go to a big city, even if everything went wrong, it was still good. Yeah. (laughs) The, uh, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, you guys were sort of in your own world and you probably didn't realize, but did you, I mean, were you, you said earlier about you kind of parents being strict, like, did you not have TV or fuse or MTV to kind of see what bands were playing? I wasn't, uh, I wasn't allowed to watch MTV when I was growing up. Um, how about fuse? Which is, which is funny. I didn't have it. I don't think it was part of our cable cable. Yeah. I don't think we had it. So, um, so yeah, I, I found out about bands, you know, through my cool cousins who were kind of allowed to do <laughs> more, yeah. uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I remember a, bi- a big moment for me was, um, I don't know. People used to like <laughs> list like their favorite bands in their, like, um, like their aim profiles and stuff totally. like that. Or like, um, and my, one of my cousins was dating a guy that like played in a band and I thought that was really, really cool. And I like, I remember like kind of writing down some of the band names from his like aim profile that like sounded cool. And, uh, so I was familiar with a couple of band names and, um, one of them was, was saves the day. And I, uh, this was, this would have been right around the time that in reverie came out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know most people didn't discover saves the day through that record. It was, that was kind of like a, you know, a big change for most people, but that was how I discovered them. And, um, I, I was at a, like a borders, uh, like bookstore and they had like the CD section and, um, there's like the little area where you can listen to, you know, preview a CD or whatever. And I remember being familiar with that band name and seeing in reverie and I listened to it and I was like, you know, blown away by it. It was like, um, like I thought it was the best thing ever. And it's still to this day, it's probably my favorite album. Um, and you know, I, most people are like, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? That's, you know, that's not the one that everybody likes or whatever, but I think that it's, it's so great. Like the, the guitar playing, like the, the jazz chords, the, 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 all the lyrics are amazing. Like it's, it's such an awesome record. I actually, I think you finding that record at that time is, is really cool because in reverie is actually a lot of people like that record. And yes, you can say through being cool or can't, can't slow down or um, anything else, you know, in their catalog, but it's like whenever someone gets to it at that point and that's what was out, that's what was in borders. Yeah. It's not like they had can't slow down right. sitting there. And so, right. I mean, did you, from listening that, did you go back and did you go listen to the earlier stuff or I did. And, I honestly, I was like, I don't, I don't think I like this. <laughs> I was like, this just doesn't sound like, uh, I mean, uh, in stay what you are has some elements of it. So I think yeah. at the time I was like, I, I like this one, but, uh, the earlier stuff, I was like, it, it seemed like a step backwards from this, you know, it, it seemed like, you know, obviously it was like earlier stuff, but, um, just stylistically, it seemed like a step backwards from the stuff that I was kind of gravitating towards at the time. Um, now I, I sort of, you know, have a, a much better context for like what their records are in their, you know, in their discography, like, and chronologically it makes a lot more sense. And I, I definitely have a huge appreciation for 
you know the earlier stuff too um but i think too you're but, sort of you the band changed and i think everyone when a band i mean it's almost similar to you guys where a band comes out and maybe you disagree but like a band comes out and they they they, they sound like x and so everyone mm-hmm. if it does really well everyone wants it to sound like x every other record and I want someone to go on a journey with the band. Like Chris Conley, yeah. who knows what his next record's going to be. And I actually <laughs> right. love that. And I same, yeah, same with, you know, there's certain bands that, I mean, even Hot Water Music had this little bit of transition in it. And you kind of kind of go with them. And there's this, you know, early it, reviews where it's like, it doesn't sound like X. And yeah. I really, why would a, I don't know, you want to, if you see a band's career, if it's, I mean, Bob Dylan, I mean, how many different genres did he play throughout his career? What if it, right. if it was only acoustic stuff? I think we'd be bored and moved on. So um, you kind of found them at an interesting point because you didn't be like, well, I want it to sound like Can't Slow Down because he right. was, Chris was kind of moving on. So, And then, you know, for you guys sort of tra- transitioning genres too, that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to get better. Yeah, well, you're supposed, you're, you're going to have different influences. Like, I mean, uh, it's, it's tough when people just get stuck with comparing a band to another band versus looking at a band, uh, you know, throughout their career. And I guess it's easier to do when, when it's a bit, you know, as it's happening, like a, a current band, as they're putting out records, you know, you, you do immediately compare to whatever came before. But I, I like, being able to look back at a band's catalog and, and looking at the progression of things. And, and I do encourage, I know, you know, uh, some people have definitely come around to that in reverie, but I always encourage people like, if you didn't like it when it came out and haven't listened to it since, like go back and check it out. It's really good. Um, so, yeah. I, and, and that, that happens with a lot of bands, I think. Yeah. I was a, I was a hardcore kid and someone told me to get Texas is the reason and right. I was like, okay, cool, guy from Shelter, listen to it. I hated it. <laughs> I was in high school. I was like, what is this? I spent all this money. I they sent the record, and I hate it. And I don't know, four years later, I was like, this is the greatest thing. Like, you know, it just took yeah. – It was I wasn't ready. I was still a hardcore kid listening to, you know, Madball. Um, yeah, unfortunately. it hits you at the right time, and, <laughs> yeah. and then it makes sense. But you're t- but the I think you're completely right that it's like you look at that whole – discography yeah go back to it in five years um and or try or two years or six months whatever it is um yeah i think that's i think that's uh that that is a good lesson for everybody <laughs> i think so too and I, and I think that you can't expect a band to uh just you know if they sound like this like that they're always going to sound like this because that can get real boring for for a band you know and, and this is their livelihood this is their you know this is what they do so you know let them, let them do what the, you know what they feel fulfilled in doing because otherwise they would just be you know making the same music for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and I think too. I mean, I'm bringing up the the e word just because you guys were associated to it. Do you feel a sure. connection to it? There's obviously if it's Tiny Engines, Top Shelf, No Sleep, Run for Cover, all labels that you've sort of you know this scene itself. I almost. I almost want to like, uh, you know, put a mind trance on everybody and just be like, uh, this is just really good punk rock scene because yeah. there's so many different sounds and there's so many different ways that everyone's playing together that it just, it, 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 it like I've told this a ton of times, it reminds me of the 90s. It reminds me of 
you know, a hardcore band like Saves a Day would play with Earth Crisis. Like that's what right. you don't you think of that now. You're like, how could that work? Uh, well, first someone looks up who Earth Crisis is, but then they they realize what it sounds like, and they're like, how does that even work? How has it been with you guys in this uh, feeling that way, but then having this word hang over it um, that sort of everyone's trying to run away from? Well, I mean, in Scranton, we we would come up like playing you know, pretty mixed bill shows. Um, like there was, there was this amazing, uh, like grindcore band from Scranton called dead radical. And, um, they were like, they were amazing to watch. They were so crazy. Um, and so dynamic and they played so fast, but it was like really tight. And, um, like they would play, you know, with like the Menzingers with us and, you know, it would, it would just be like this, this wide variety of, of bands playing. And, uh, and then, you know, there were the type of, uh, you know, indie bands that, that were coming, uh, coming up out of, out of that prison jazz record scene too. So there was, there, you know, we came from, you know, it was a small scene, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely a, a variety of, of sounds. Definitely. Um, so, so, you know, transitioning into the, the scene that we were sort of associated with now, um, you know, same sort of thing. Like it, there's, there's some intangible thing that, that connects these bands, but, um, you know, it, you, you just go from, from band to band. It's just such, such a vastly different sound. The other, I remember I, I was speaking to some guys that worked at labels like Vagrant and, um, at, epitaph and it was you sort of you could make the connection between certain bands uh you could make you could understand and it was just in the air and these people kind of talked like i don't see the connection between black veil brides and hot rod circuit i just don't see how those things connect yet a word connects them by a lot of people and genres are genres and everything to just be called rock anyway but people have to put things into genre as an independent yeah. scene. I don't see that those connections from the sort of the, the, you know, the, the pop era, um, it, there was probably the same punk rock sh- or the same basement shows, but it just, it, it seemed really derivative. And I think now it's almost, I don't know if I'm really going somewhere with this. I'm just trying to like, <laughs> an- I'm just trying to visualize it. You mean you guys were in it at that time and you might not have been aware of it, but there's this whole huge group of people that thought emo and punk was this when it was, that was more like the pop stuff, which is still connected, but it just seemed like you guys being away from it helped you uh, stay strong so much of like not have that influence of being like, shit, we have to do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, yeah, definitely. Like we, we were just, you know, I, I had like some sort of awareness that the, the music that we were writing early on was, was different than like the typical sort of like, uh, I don't know, like just regular straightforward punk. You know, mm-hmm. our, ours was like, a, our style was a little bit different, um, which sort of came from, um, like Adam, uh, who played in Tiger Shaw was, you know, very, very much influenced by, um, like more, more indie stuff very early on. And we, 
we listened to a lot of like the, the K record stuff, like the microphones and Mount Erie and, uh, Adrian orange and little wings and like bands like, or they're essentially solo acts of like kind of minimalist, like acoustic weird indie pop sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, we were into like early of Montreal, uh, which all this stuff is like very Beatles derivative, but, um, you know, with more of like a garage rock sort of spin. Um, so we, we had like this wide array of, of influences, but it was channeled through, you know, pretty much the physical ability to only play like some sort of version of punk rock. Like we were like, we weren't like, you know, uh, I guess, musically sophisticated enough to like write music in the style of the stuff that we were listening to. Um, so we fell somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, you mentioned the microphones, which is, I believe the, the name, the band's name referenced, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lyric that, uh, mentions a, t- a tiger's jaw and that's where the, the band name came from. Yeah. I, l- I love it. It's, it's, it's not an earth crisis lyric. Um, oh, is it? No, I'm joking. I'm just I'm making. Oh, it's not. I'm, a... <laughs> I, no, I, I I I try to have jokes for the older people and the newer people. So that 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 was that that was for the old crowd. Um, and uh, I mean the I was thinking about the Menzingers, and I would just, you guys have had a long relationship with them, and um, I mm-hmm. think if I was if I was 16 and I heard the Menzingers, I think I would buy every single thing they ever put out in as a merch item. I would be scratching it on my notebooks. Like this, that band gets me so stoked. They're they're one of the best current bands I would say, and and it was awesome to see them transition. So I think right around the time like uh, that, Sky was dying out. Like they still obviously had this love for bands like The Clash and mm-hmm. like the earlier punk bands, and then uh, Against Me and bands like Smoker Fire and the Lawrence Arms started like kind of popping up on their radar, and so they they sort of channeled this sort of ska punk style into now these more like kind of grittier punk bands um you know and and the the result was you know the menzingers and captain were sinking two two amazing bands yeah they're just again it's if anyone hasn't listened to them out there please do uh it's it's um it's anthems on top of anthems (laughs) it's it's great it's feel good it's feel good music it's awesome. Uh, very energetic, very <laughs> dynamic. Uh, have, you know, you've done a lot of really cool tours. I've, you know, I was actually kind of just looking through a bunch of the um, ones and thinking about if it was, you know, Newfound Glory and Yellow Card, Foxing, Somos, Basement, or, you know, doing a split with Kevin, you know, through all of those. Um, you know, did any of those bands sort of bestow wisdom onto you or did you feel like you taught them something maybe about a social network or something to use? Like, was there any sort of back and forth that you remember from if it was a smaller band or bigger band? Well, um, the, the tours that you just referenced were sort of just within the past couple of years, like since we've taken the band full time, um, prior to that, like we, we were all in school still and, uh, you know, we would tour very minimally, kind of like when we would have like, you know, summer break or winter mm-hmm. break. And that was really it. So, um, you know, only in the past couple of years have we really been able to start touring a lot more. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't do 
some of the typical things that a band would do, such as, you know, play uh, on a lot of support tours early on to kind of get in front of more people. We, you know, we always had this weird schedule that never was compatible with, you know, another tour that was, was kind of happening. And I'm sure Merrick, our booking agent, loved us for that because it was always like, okay, do what you can with these two weeks that we all have free. And, you know, he would be like, all right, and throw together what he could. And it always ended up being amazing. Um, but, you know, doing that, doing that Yellow Card Nissan Glory tour, um, I wasn't, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. And, and I'm so thrilled that we did it because it was, it was a really cool experience, um, you know, put us in front of, you know, people that like, there's definitely, you, you know, there's a fair amount of young people in the crowd, but there, there, we were playing to an older crowd who, you know, maybe doesn't keep an eye out for bands that are sort of, you know, underground still that are current. Um, so it was funny. We would, we would sell a lot of CDs at those shows and we would get people asking like, Oh, do you guys like people who hadn't seen like the merch table be like, Oh, do you guys have like a demo or something? And, and, you know, sort of have to laugh and be like, well, we've actually been a band for kind of a while, but, uh, you know, but it's, it's just funny how, uh, you know, you, you play outside of the scene that you're used to. And there's just these fundamental differences that are pretty interesting. I actually Um, love that. I mean, the, you guys, I mean, what I meant earlier, I mean, the last two years of your touring, it was, it was sort of, it's sort of taken off. And I think you, yeah, you were doing those things around school and now that it's, it's full time, but I think I kind of love in that two years you've been able to do that without doing those support tours, which a lot of bands have to do. Uh, and, sure. the, and those, those, you know, I mean, I was just talking to the dudes in gates and they did a thrice tour and it was all these new kids that had never mm-hmm. seen them before and were like stoked and wanted to buy stuff. And, and I think that was great because there is a kid in there that does want to know and maybe doesn't have, maybe he doesn't have MTV to watch. Or does it, you right. know, I'm not saying you guys, but like he doesn't have those outlets to find what's going on. And you probably got so many fans because you guys sound a little different. And um, it made sense for Newfound Glory, too, because yeah. you wanted to get someone else to kind of bring in new fans on your side. Sure. And, and um, going back to what you were asking about, like kind of learning from bands or, you know, imparting wisdom or whatever, touring with Newfound Glory was great. Like those guys are are endlessly generous and kind. And, um, it's you know, pretty inspiring to see a, a band with a career as long as theirs. And they're putting just as much energy into perform, performing the, the new songs as they are like the, the classics, you know, they, I think they would open with a new song on that tour and, and, you know, people would be just as energetic during those songs as, as some of the, uh, you know, some of the older songs. And, it was just like really inspiring to see them, uh, you know, after all these years, like they've, they, they've got families and they've got, you know, they're just still, they're just making it work in such a way and they don't have like any sort of attitude about them. And, um, it was just really cool. Cause they, they were, they were one of the first bands, like punk bands that I got into. And, uh, so it sort of came full circle when we got asked to do that tour. I was like, this, this would be awesome. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. The uh, I've told this story before, but two seconds. The only reason I bought Newfound Glory's CD at the record store, um, because because Chad was in Shy Halud, and I love Shy Halud so much, I figured I gotta love Newfound Glory, and I got the record being like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like they wrote yeah. 
like anthem like they wrote like huge pop punk anthems this is going to be rad and you're totally right like i think i got to you know if it was a basement show they did it was the same energy as when i saw them at some you know if it was a big venue with a thousand room cap you're right it's the same exact thing and that is a true thing that comes through and you don't say it it's just your persona and i i think i pick up on it i think other kids pick up on it that that's real um, yeah, and I think it's partly why they're still going. I think so. Let's let let's hope Newfound Glory doesn't stop. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, they're they're still. I mean, I've just I just heard that they're going to be doing another record soon. So that's great. How could they not? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then when you guys uh, when the when the band decided to continue on um, as a two piece. Um, you know, was that, and this was me thinking outside of looking at it being like, was that to be more experimental with members and be able to kind of work on things and have people come on tour that were different? What was the, some of the reasonings? Um, I mean, you did describe this all online, but just sort of a, like, were there other things that you didn't think came from it? Sure. Yeah, we, we did our best to describe it online, but it definitely sort of got out of our hands. Um, mm-hmm. So, in in 2013, um, three of the three of the band members decided to part ways with the band, and um, it was kind of right on the cusp of us doing a lot of touring and and recording uh, what was our most recent full length called Charmer. Um, so it was a very chaotic time, um, and Brianna and I had to make a lot of pretty. Uh, pretty important decisions pretty quickly. So we knew that we wanted to, like the shows were booked. We knew that we wanted to play the tours. Um, unfortunately we had to cancel some European tour dates, but we kept all the, uh, all the U S dates and all the UK dates. And, uh, uh, and we, um, we got some, some of the guys from balancing composure played for us for that tour. Um, and obviously we knew like they weren't going to be able to be like, you know, permanent members by any mm-hmm. means. And we also weren't trying to like rush to fill the spots. Cause like our band had been the same group of people for so long. And we had always done things in such a way that like, you know, we only do it if it feels right. So rushing to replace people with other new permanent people just didn't feel like the right move. So, um, and, also, um, we needed to, like, we knew we didn't want to cancel any, any, or cancel the U S tour and the UK shows. Um, but we had to, we had to see if it still felt right. If it still felt like the same band, if it still, you know, was as enjoyable to us. Um, you know, basically like, is this still going to be and feel like the same band? And, um, you know, that tour ended up being amazing. And, you know, the, the, support that people showed us and you know people were like you know you you gotta keep doing this and i was like well i mean i want to keep doing this i just need to you know make sure it still feels right and um you know and and it did and i think that um that it was a, a shocking big change at the time but now it seems like a pretty natural thing um everybody's still doing what they want to be doing and brianna and i continued with the band and we've had uh, sort of a rotating cast over the past couple of years. And, uh, it's, you know, we've, 
we've been getting more consistent with people because initially it was just people that we knew who already played in bands and we can't expect them to, you know, try to be in two full-time bands because it's really tough to do that when your band is at this sort of level. Um, so we've just kind of been taking it as it comes, doing things organically, um, you know, gravitating towards people that are fun to be around and, you know, a good, a good source of positive energy. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's been working out really well for us. And, you know, I'm not, uh, hopefully we can, you know, gravitate towards more of a solid lineup, uh, in the future, but, um, and I think we're getting towards it, but, um, but we just didn't want to rush into, you know, a different a lineup of new people that, you know, might've turned out to be not the right fit or, you know, or whatever. So, and then I think that opens it up to, uh, different sounds and different, different energies between people. Um, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. It was like a a breath of fresh air sort of put back into the band, um, at a really crucial time, like right when we were really starting to tour a lot. So it was definitely really cool. And, you know, I definitely miss playing music with, uh, with the guys that used to play in the band. Um, but I'm, you know, they're still making music and I'm, I'm thrilled for them and I'm always a fan of the stuff that they're doing. So, it's uh everything's good rad and then the um i mean i think to one part about being a band now which a lot of bands back in the day didn't have to deal with with all the you know social and updating and profiles and how have how have you sort of had a love-hate relationship with it or something that was natural or well when when that whole transition happened um we we made a post that was sort of a little bit ambiguous. And at the time I thought that would be a good idea. So like, cause, cause if, you know, if we did the tour and with, you know, with people filling in and it didn't like it flopped, like it didn't feel right. And, and I'm not saying flopped in terms of like people coming out or not, if it didn't feel right to us and it didn't feel like the same band or the same enjoyment or the same connection with the songs, um, then then it would have been really hard to keep going as, as the band. And very, very fortunately that wasn't the case at all. And uh, you know, it's still the thing I loved the most and same with Brianna. And, um, you know, I hope I can keep making music for, you know, forever. But, um, it, we posted something about, you know, these are our last shows for the foreseeable future, meaning like we need to sort some stuff out to make sure that this is all right. And, um, and I, for some reason I thought that was like good wording and that was like, that would sort of cover it, whether we, you know, whether we started, to, you know, touring again soon after that or took a little more time or, or whatever. Um, but the internet sort of went with it and, and a lot of people assumed that it meant we were breaking up. So then on that tour, a lot of the promoters of the shows started billing the shows as like, Tiger Shaw's final, you know, whatever show. Tiger Shaw's final New York show, final this show. <laughs> and by the time we realized that that's what was happening, like they never, we never told them to say that. And our booking agent never told them to say that. But it was, you know, it was everywhere. Every, you know, it was on every flyer. And we were like, that's, that's not what we said. Like, you know, and we we didn't want it to be like, like we've never done things like, I don't know, 
in a way where we're like, oh, well, if we bill it this way, maybe we'll, maybe more people will come out or we'll sell more tickets or whatever. Like that was ne- like, that was never, ever even a thought. Um, you know, we just had to figure out things on the, on a personal end, like if this still felt right and everything. Um, so the internet was tough in that regard. And then also when people were like sort of accusatory about like, Oh, you just did this for publicity or something like that. Like this was a huge, significant change in, in my personal life and, you know, people that I spent the most time with. So it wasn't any sort of like publicity thing or, or anything. So it was, it was kind of weird seeing people's take on it and being like, that, that's not it at all. But, you know, as soon as you hit people... send, it's, it's <laughs> almost like it goes off and there's no way to take it back. And that's what yeah. I mean, that sort of love-hate relationship with it where, yes, I can get, and someone from the UK can hear me right now, but also you're right. totally, I mean, you explained it perfectly. Like, you, there's nothing you can do because someone's going to take it, and you're like, no, that's not what I meant, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're always, you're always going to offend somebody. You're always yes. going to confuse somebody. It's, it's tough. It's really tough when, you know, when things can get misconstrued and you're just, feel like you're always playing like you know you're the cleanup crew trying to like go back and explain everything so i don't know if there's like a stress that comes along with it but but the internet has definitely done a lot of great things for for music too yeah oh yeah definitely oh man i mean if i had this back then or i'm sure anyone would want it uh in history would want to have this much be able to i mean there's more people listening to music than ever there's a access to it there's it's not you know you're not waiting you can you can listen to many things as you want but that sort of did I mean from those from that did you guys sort of are you more reserved with with social are you more like wait a minute are you kind of rethinking things or are you sort of more relaxed again where all right I can post things or I can be more open or is it sort of you kind of had that wall put up um you know it's tricky because and I will say that I I'm really glad that we started as a band sort of right before mm-hmm. like that era really took hold of music. Like, you know, we had a MySpace and whatever, but like for the first, you know, years, a couple of years of our band, we were still like printing out flyers and, you know, putting on basement shows and, and stuff like that without much assistance from the internet. Now it's, you know, you, you're so reliant on the internet where, you know, that's how people find out about shows and that's how people find out about bands and everything. So I'm, I'm really glad for our earlier experiences without that. Um, so we've sort of had to adapt to it as it sort of took off. Um, but, but yeah, we, we use a, we use a lot of the, you know, social media sites and everything now. And like, you know, we run them, like we don't have management. Um, you know, we don't have somebody running our socials like we we do them, and and I think that our fans kind of recognize that, you know, and they get like sort of a personal uh, feel from it, which is uh, one of the cool things about the internet, sort of connecting, you know, the artists and, and the fans. Which is it changes every day because what's what what was was MySpace is now Facebook is now Snapchat is now whatever the hell's next. And it's that right. constant um, being able to talk in that certain dialogue. and But that through that all, you be yourself and you're fine. I think cause it's when people try and act a different way uh, for each thing or, perce- or I'm perceived as something else. That That's when you can see right through it. Yeah, bands that are more, more, more image 
concerned than you know music concerned i i guess yeah um i mean for you guys is there anything that um you know in your in your rolodex of haven't done yet are there things that you're sort of dreaming about or wanting to do with the band um yeah there's still places that we haven't toured yet that i would love to go um japan is definitely a big one mm-hmm. um we finally got to go to australia last summer which was like one of the coolest experiences ever um we i don't know we've we, we've never played a whole bunch of like the cool festivals um which i guess most bands have love-hate relationships with but um but we're doing like riot fest later in the year so i'm really looking forward to that um just like i don't know operating as a full-time band is still an exciting new thing for us so mm-hmm. um so it, it all feels great it all feels fun and you know i you know I, I'm, I'm excited for well, you know everything to come and then is there anything else you want to let people know what you're you're working on or what things are in the mix obviously you don't need to give it anything away that you don't want to but anything sort of that you guys are working on now that people would be stoked to hear about sure um well at this point i can say that um we've we've done a whole lot of writing for a new album um which we should be posting more information about soon i'm not exactly sure when this will go up but um but we're going to start recording some stuff soon uh, that I'm really excited about. So um, that's why we have been sort of quiet in the past couple of months and we don't have a lot of touring booked because we're, we're focusing on, uh, on new music. I like that. See, when a band doesn't tour, don't, don't, don't yell, come to Brazil, yell, <laughs> go to the studio. <laughs> yeah. Cause then that restarts the whole, the whole thing. So yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, you know, we've, since we've, you know, since we haven't released a record uh, with a, you know, with a full-time touring schedule behind it, except for the last record, which, which sort of was so affected by the, the, the lineup change and everything that it, it sort of, um, you know, took away some of the focus in, in my mind from it. It'll be really cool for me to release an album and, plan everything out really really nicely and and you know tours all the places that we want to tour to and um i'm just kind of excited for seeing how the like a, a typical rollout. album cycle actually yeah a typical rollout actually actually works because uh, you know up until this point things have been pretty unconventional for us <laughs> so so let's hope for tiger's jaw's sake you guys just have a normal rollout no drama. Just, <laughs> just. That would be that would be great. I, I'm hoping, but you know, it, it might. Uh, we'll, we'll take things as they come. We've we've had weird stuff happen, and we've adapted to it, and it's kind of become part of part of how we do things. So. I like that. I'm excited for whatever happens. Do you think there's any bands uh, that people should be checking out or? listening to in the world today definitely um i think that first off i one of the most criminally uh you know underhyped bands ever is the sidekicks and uh, you know criminally underappreciated i should say and uh they're a band from ohio they're you know one of my favorite bands ever and i think they're so awesome and uh not enough people are, are listening to them or talking about them um and i've i've been I've been living in Philly for the past uh, year or so, and there's a lot of great bands um, coming up through 
sort of like um, a scene that's sort of centered around a label called Lamo Records. And uh, there's uh, like th- uh, Three Man Cannon, uh, who has some some uh, guys that I used to play with in, in Tiger's Jaw. And I maintain that they're one of the best bands ever in the world, uh, Three Man Cannon. Um, but there's there's some great like like indie sort of punk bands in Philly, like uh, like Thin Lips and Hurry, um, Sun Organ. There's a band called Spirit of the Beehive. I think that's working with Jade Tree now. Um, Cave People, Blur Case Roses, and Cherry. Um, some of my friends' bands that are doing really really cool things. Um, yeah, so stylistically, a lot of those bands might be kind of different from what the listeners of, of this podcast might be, uh, you know, kind of into, but uh, definitely worth checking out. What's now Thin Lips? What did they just do? They just did the... Um... Uh, they were just out with Modern Baseball. Yeah, which... which maybe that, yeah. I think a lot of people either had mentioned to me that, hey, the tour was great, but holy shit, Thin Lips. Yeah, they they are incredible. Um I, I got to see, there's this great venue in uh, in Philly that's actually like a batting cage. It's called Everybody Hits. No way. And, uh, that's a great name for a batting yeah. cage. <laughs> oh, it's the best. And the guy Dave, the guy Dave that runs it is, is awesome and kind of lets, you know, lets anything happen there. Like lets a lot of great shows happen there. Um, and the Stimlips, uh put out a record called Riss Hard uh, a couple weeks back and they did their record release there and it was awesome they were so so good that's right i mean and philly um is a great place i mean that was a lot of the stuff in 09 and 10 when i started kind of hearing that there was bands that actually played um you know some really interesting punk rock that it was coming from philly um, yeah and to kind of have this happen again i mean yesterday i was just talking to the dudes in jank um, you know, that's a whole other thing. Like it just, it's cool that there's all these things happening, um, for, for Philly and it's a lot of people are listening and watching. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's R5 productions that are putting, yep. putting out a lot of great punk shows. Uh, there's the guild who, um, you know, kind of puts on a lot of those bands that I had mentioned, like have like sort of a, a scene and, uh, there's a couple of venues such as the batting cages or Kung Fu necktie or places like that where the guild puts on a lot of great shows too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of like a lot of kids that grew up in punk that are now like, you know, putting on shows and helping out bands and kind of building up a, a really cool scene there. So it, it's, it's an exciting time I think for, for Philly. That's great. And, and, and any other ones? I mean, you've listed off a bunch, which I have uh, meticulously written most of them down. Um, um, and so the, the, the two bands that I mentioned uh, from Scranton who are no longer active bands, but, you can definitely track down their stuff. The Swims and OK Patty, um, I mean, still are two two of my favorite bands that I still listen to all the time, um, and are definitely worth checking out. How how would you describe them? Um, so the Swims were that sort of like power pop uh, indie sort of oh, yeah, garagey right. band, and uh, and OK Patty just like uh, incredible melodies, incredible like indie rock sort of like like middle ground leisure sort of stuff really great cool Ben thank you so much for doing this hey Tom thanks for having me it was a pleasure we should be awake if you feel that I'm all the same nothing that I do ever seems to make a change we should be awake if you 
Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted Volume 1, so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.